Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. And my next guest is Kathy Fetke from Real Wealth Network. She's the CEO and founder of the Real Wealth Network in Malibu, California. And we've had her on before, and it was an interesting, very valuable interview. And uh, we've asked her to come back, and she's going to talk about real estate investments and her new book, Retire Rich in Rentals. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me once again today. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a couple of years since you've been on the show, but uh, I still remember our, our last interview was terrific, and we got a lot of great comments. So thanks so much. Tell us, uh, uh, our listeners that didn't weren't fortunate enough to hear that, um, uh, about you and your background and, and uh, how you came to start the Real Wealth Network. Sure. Well, we are up to almost 50,000 members now, uh, but it started with just me wanting kind of desperately to understand how to create passive income. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom uh, and not have to go away to work uh, when my husband was diagnosed with melanoma. Now, he's healthy today and it's, everything's fine, but at the time we didn't know. So I just went on a mission to understand, well, how do other people do this? I know that, I know oh, that wow. other people have invested in things like, like real estate and, and uh, own, the, own the properties and they generate cash flow, but do you need a lot of money? And how does the average person do it? So I, I had a, I have the Real Wealth Show. It's a podcast I've had for 15 years now, just radio back before podcasts. But I just use that as a platform to interview people who have done what I wanted to do. And I learned their secrets and I continue to share it with my audience and put it into practice for myself and, and our members. And, and I can tell you it works. <laughs> Well, that's terrific. First things first, I'm glad to to hear your your husband is healthy. And uh, secondly, congratulations on uh, an incredible milestone of 50,000 members. That's terrific in your network. That's fantastic. So um, when you um, started your research on all of this, uh, it sounds like you found that uh, real estate outperforms other investments. Um, what, how has your research, uh, research supported that over the years? Well, you know, it just, it, it's a pretty broad term, right? There's investments. If you're an early investor in Google, well, that probably outperforms anything, right? So it depends on what we're okay. talking about. Okay, <laughs> fair <here>. enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had the opportunity to be an early investor. I just didn't know what it was, so I didn't do it. Can you believe that? Um, anyway, I, well, the thing about real estate is – you know, you can lose money in real estate as well, and lots of people do because they they treat it like they treat other investments. You know, they've been mostly trained to have a uh, financial advisor do the work for them, and they haven't really had to 
understand investment. So oftentimes people get into real estate and treat it the same way and somebody tells them to, to put their money in something and they do it without research and that doesn't turn out well. Trust me, that does not turn out well. I see scams every day uh, from people who just didn't have the information. So let me be super clear that in real estate, you do need to know what you're doing. You do need education. Um, either that or you invest side by side with someone with an incredible track record of many, many, many decades. Um, that's the only, only way I would do it if I didn't have the education. So I want to be super clear. You can make money or lose money in any investment. What I like about real estate is it's a little bit easier to understand because, you know, how are you going to dig into the financials of some, you know, mega corporation? That's impossible. But can you dig into the financials of real estate? Yeah. You know, you get, you get an appraisal on the property. You get an inspection on the property. You, you find out what the property taxes are, the insurance. Like, it's not that hard. Um, you just have to know how to do it and, and check off, you know, check the list of, of what needs to be done to protect yourself. And when you do those things, now you have your money secured into a hard asset that, that you can, you know, that you can somewhat control versus, you know, other investments where you just really don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it's a pretty simple uh, asset. It's, you know, there's, there's uh, things can happen inside of a property. Certainly if you have a rental and you have bad tenants um, you, you know, you can incur unnecessary expenses, but like you said, you know, either do your homework or hire a professor. I like that uh, <laughs> analogy there. So, um, are tax benefits as good on income property as they are on a primary residence? Let's talk about that because we get that question a lot. Oh my gosh, no comparison. It's far better on investment property, especially with the new tax law. The new tax law almost discourages home ownership. Um, at a certain price point, and, uh, and, it, and it really hasn't helped people. But in, if, if you have an investment property, the tax benefits got even better, and they were already good. So you can, you know, if you have an investment property, you can write off the, the maintenance of that property, the repairs, the, the visiting that property, your management. I mean, you know, talk to your CPA. Make sure you have a CPA that understands real estate. But you can get to a point where you have so many write-offs that you don't even pay any income on the income you get from those properties, uh, again, if, you, if you're doing it right. And we got an extra. We got this bonus depreciation for the tax cuts that um, you, can, you can write off so many things that are uh, not fixed to the property. Uh, so if you've got a short-term rental, you might be able to, to write off all the furnishings in that. I mean, you know, again, talk to your CPA. But, right. And then you have depreciation, which means you get to write down the value of the property every year, uh, even though the value of the property could be going up. So the, the mm-hmm. benefits go on and on and on, whereas with a primary, what, what do you get? You get to write off your mortgage interest? Well, you get to do that with, um, with your investment property as well, but you really don't get to write off much else on your primary. So it, if you're buying real estate for the tax benefits, you really need to look at investment versus just, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer and owning your own home because I, I do believe, you know, you got to pay your rent somewhere. You got to right. pay someone. So why not right. pay off a home? You know, you got to live mm-hmm. in 30 years. You're going to be really mm-hmm. glad that you, that you paid off a home versus renting in 30 years. I mean, imagine what rents will be in 30 years, but you know, if you own it, you've got it paid off by then, but you're, you're not getting much more benefit than that. Uh, but on investment property, you get the same, you, you got even better leverage. You get all the tax benefits, but but if you're renting it out, you've got someone else paying down your mortgage for you such that at some point 
you own that property free and clear too. So it, there's a lot of benefits. And it, but again, don't rush out and go buy the property next door without knowing anything. <laughs> You've really got to at least read my book. It has a, a checklist in there to make <laughs> right. sure that you protect yourself. <laughs> that sounds like a definite prerequisite for anything to do with the real estate is understanding that, you know, what the knowledge that's been collected by you and your network. So a, uh, one of the questions that, that we hear a lot is that it's difficult, although interest rates are low, it's difficult to qualify for investment property uh, loans over a primary residence. Is that true these days? How's the banking climate? It's actually easier. It's actually easier to qualify for an investment property than a primary in many cases because you get to include the rental income in your income. And if you're buying the right kind of rental property, you're not buying the fanciest house on the block. You know, you, you might want to buy a house that you're going to live in that's, that's nice and it might be a little higher priced and wouldn't really make sense as a rental. But if you're buying a rental property, you're not the one living in that. So, you, you know, you want it to be a nice property, but it might be half or a fourth or even a tenth the price of the property you'd live in. So, you know, for example, I'm in San Francisco. I, you know, our offices are in San Francisco and L.A., you want to buy a starter home, you're going to be looking at a million bucks. You know, if you want to buy a starter right. home in Atlanta or Florida, it's going to be a hundred thousand. It's going to be one tenth the price. So if you're if you're going to buy a primary, imagine the mortgage on a million dollar house. I mean, that's a lot. And trying to qualify for the mortgage for a million dollar house, that's tough. But can you qualify for the mortgage of a hundred thousand dollar house? Yes, it's about five hundred bucks, and you get the monthly <laughs> rental income. That's like you know, could be as much as nine hundred or thousand dollars. I mean, you you can much more easily qualify for investment property. So you can get ten loans. Uh, you you can get ten conventional loans in your name for investment property. That's what you're allowed. And, and so if you've got ten one hundred thousand dollar homes, you could count the rental income on all those ten homes versus trying to get that million dollar home for your primary that you know you just might not qualify for. Well, that's great advice. And, you know, that was going to be my next question because I'm also a, a fellow Californian where, you know, real estate is, uh, it's just out of sight in a lot of places, especially in the Bay Area, like you're talking about in the San Francisco area. It's just crazy. But uh, so, so geographic diversity, let's talk about that for a second. Would someone be better off looking to, to choose their area, let's say Austin, Texas, or like you mentioned, Atlanta or somewhere like that, and, and buy, uh, buy up in that and stay in one area, or should they have geographic diversity and, and spread it around? It's a very good question, and I get that question all the time. Uh, should you, you know, own rental property, or, you know, how do you even own property in California? You know, listen, if you're going to buy a house and live in it and live in it for 30 years and you're just going to stay in California because you love it, it, it might make sense to, to buy a property because you can, you can get a primary residence with 3.5% down um, up to, I think it's 760000 or something on the FHA max. So you can, you know, you, you might not get a big house, but if you got a duplex, you, you could even qualify for more. If you got a fourplex, you could I think, go up over a million with still 3.5% down. But again, if you're going to live there for a long time, and the numbers work, and it's the same as rent. Hey, why not? You know, why not live here? But that's hard to do, and you might not actually live where you want to live. So why not rent where you want to live? 
and invest where the numbers really make sense. What we know right now is that there is a massive migration to the southeast, uh, to to Texas, to a, to um, Georgia, to Florida, to Alabama. There's businesses moving there, um, massive, massive job growth, and along with it, population growth. And you've got 10,000 people turning 65 every single day for the next decade, and they're going to live somewhere where the climate is nice and there's lots to do and it's affordable. So we just see this massive demographic shift to the southeast. But the amazing thing is you can still buy a brand new rental home, a brand new home for under $200,000 and rent it out for a, you know, close to 1% of that purchase price. It's, it's anywhere between 0.7 and 1% of the purchase price. You're not going to get that in California. So if you bought one rental property, again, let me just, you know, in San Francisco, that's going to be a million bucks, let's just say. Now you have for a closet. Your, yeah, yeah. Now you have all <laughs> your money in one property on a fault line, in a very tenant-friendly place. Where if if that person stops paying you or files bankruptcy, you're not you're not going to see any rental income. You're going to be covering that debt on your own. Um, and especially with the new rent control laws, it's it's tough. Or instead of that million-dollar property, I mean, imagine if it was vacant one month. You're 100% vacant. What if it's six months? You're, you're 100% vacant for six months carrying that mortgage and all the expenses. Or instead, you buy where the masses are going and you follow the path of, or you get in front of the path of progress by 10 smaller properties. Now you're diversified. Mm-hmm. If you have a, a tenant that moves out or you've got a vacancy or an eviction on one or even two or even three of those 10 properties, Let's say you're vacant on 50%. Five of the 10 are vacant. You're still better off than that one San Francisco property or LA property that, that's vacant. So there's uh-huh. way more protection um, by diversifying. And that's what I just dedicate my life to, is showing people options. Like you're not stuck with having to invest where you live. You, there's so much technology today that makes it possible and, and pretty easy to invest out of state. You can have uh, very experienced property management companies watching over that property, um, leasing it out, uh, you know, checking in on the tenant for you. Just like any business, mm-hmm. you're not going to be the one sweeping the floors and you know, necessarily or you know, doing the janitorial work. Or, you know, so why should you be the one fixing toilets? That's, that's ridiculous. This is a real estate of business and you hire people to do those things and one of those people you hire is a property manager to take care of take care of it. So it really doesn't matter where it's located if someone else is managing it for you, right? No, good point. Very good point. Um, You know, so many people who tried to be real estate investors lost their properties in the 2008 recession. What did they do wrong, part one? And number two, where are we on the economic cycle wheel, in your opinion, right now? Are we heading for another recession that will impact real estate? Oh, so good. Yes. I would say 10 years ago, it's not all that different today. Uh, you know, we had a you know, big boom in 2006. We have a big boom today. Um, the difference, the big difference is that the people who own property today, they had to qualify for it. They had to prove that they make enough money to own it and that they have enough reserves set aside for it and they had a down payment. It's all honest, honest loans. They locked in low rates. Values have gone up. They've got equity. 
Now, uh, go back to 2006 before everything blew up. People were lying on their loans. They didn't put money down. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't have any reserves set aside. Um, they were putting – you could get a get a, a property with a zero money down, get a 100% loan, and in some cases up to 110%. So you'd buy the property and get money back. You know, I mean, it was nuts. So – Really right. poor lending, you know, higher rates, no equity, no cash flow. Um, it's just not sustainable. But today, again, people are sitting with equity in their homes. They've got low payments. If they left their property, they would be paying more to rent. So, you know, we're just not going to see a foreclosure crisis. Foreclosures are at historic lows. Um, we've got wage growth, job growth. Uh, we've got uh, household growth. The population in the U.S. has grown by 25 million since that last recession. So we, what we don't have is a lot of inventory. We don't have the housing. So we've got all this growth and, and yet not the supply. So mm-hmm. I don't see a recession in housing coming anytime soon. I'm hearing that we're not going to even have a supply-demand equilibrium until about 2024. So we have another four or five years before there's even enough housing to, to go around, you know, that builders can jump in and start building. But even if they do, even if builders sort of get up and running again and building, they cannot build what people need, which is a property they can afford to live in because permits mm-hmm. have gone mm-hmm. up and costs have gone up to build and labor costs have gone up and material costs. It's really hard to build a property that, you know, the average person can afford. So even as more supply comes on, it's not going to be the stuff we need. So if you can somehow manage to get into, you know, to buy an older home and fix it up or, or um, you know, work with a builder to build, you know, cheaper, there is going to be tremendous demand for that for the next decade. And that's, that's exactly what we've done at Real Wealth Network is found teams across the country who can do that for us and for our members. They find the properties, fix them up, get a tenant in place, put the property management in place, and make basically a turnkey rental property for people who live out of state. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So uh, what advice would you have for, uh, for, new, for people that are new to real estate investing, Kathy? Uh, first and foremost, don't trust anyone. I, I mean that. I hate to say it. I just I see too many people lose money there's a lot of sharks. There's a lot of sharks. Anytime there's money, it's like blood in the ocean, right? I was like, the sharks come. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of money in real estate and there's a lot of people out there who are happy to take advantage of you. It's so you just, mm-hmm. it's kind I like to compare. Good it advice. To, Very good advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to compare it to when I went to Costa Rica and I forgot to look at the exchange rate. I went to buy lunch and I handed money over and had no idea what I got back and didn't know how to count it. And, <laughs> I knew I got ripped off, but I didn't know how or what. I just knew I did, you know. So you just have to do, you know, all I had to do is get off the airplane and figure out the exchange rate. So it's, it's the same thing with real estate. There's just some basic things you need to know, really basic, not hard. I mean, it's maybe 10 things on the checklist that you just have to make sure you do to make sure that you're protected. And so many people don't do it. It's just amazing. So, again, in my book, Retire Rich with Rentals, I have that 
checklist to make sure you get your appraisals, get your inspections, uh, make sure your money goes to a title company and not to someone's personal address. You know, I mean, it goes on and on. Just basic things that people forget to do. Um, so mm-hmm. that would be number one. Yeah. Just get the basics. Learn before you jump. Go to in. school on this, right? Go to school on yeah. this. Uh, treat it. Treat it like it's uh, as important as it's going to be in your life. And uh, read books. Uh, join networks. Get get information from people who've been there before. So your book is called Retire Rich in Rentals. Uh, on available on Amazon, and the network is really simple. Realwealthnetwork.com. Uh, why wouldn't you check all that out? It's a very, very good investment, Kathy. You, you've you talk about this uh, so so eloquently as you know with your experience. And again, you started this out of necessity. That's what's such an interesting story. Um, it, but it turned into you it turned into a real passion of yours. I can hear it from you that you're you're very passionate about helping people uh, understand what you've learned along the way and uh, it's it's fantastic to have you back on the show I really appreciate it oh thank you so much really appreciate it yeah I look I uh, you know I'm always interested in this topic and I hope our listeners again will will uh, buy retire rich in rentals on Amazon and visit your network at realwealthnetwork.com uh, and Kathy uh, uh, with regards to the economic trends, like we said, there, there's people moving. Uh, there are people finishing college, getting good jobs, moving to certain areas of the country, looking for certain types of homes. Uh, our listeners will find all of that um, uh, information uh, collected and, and easy to find in your book and on your network, and they should do so um, quickly as possible. I, I hope you can come back on and keep us updated in the next uh, maybe few months and uh, let us know how it's going with all of that. Oh, I'd be happy to. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 